Welcome to Elite Six Business Networking Think Tank, facilitated by your host, Danny DeHeck, the place where decision makers come together to share their experience, knowledge, and skills. Welcome. Is that good? That was good. A good introduction there. That obviously would have stimulated people that have just tuned in. They're thinking, what the hell am I listening to? So who's in the window today? Who have we got? Do you want to introduce? And why don't you introduce Mark David Clarkson? And then he can introduce you. Well, good morning, everybody. It's my pleasure to be able to introduce Mark Scowan to you this morning. Mark is your go-to man if you want to minimize the fluctuations in your insurance premiums over time. What he does in actual fact is he ensures that you don't get caught off guard by having insurance premiums that actual, in actual fact increase every year, those increases being beyond your, your control. So what Mark's able to do is look at what your, your insurance requirements are, and then he can spread the risk over whatever period you want between now and when the, when the, the uh, insurance uh, expires. Good man. And he's the man. He's, he says it with a smile and a glint in his eye, and you know that he knows which way's up. So my very real pleasure to introduce Mark Scown. Excellent. I love um, putting Toastmaster people <laughs> in front of impromptu things, and that was enjoyable. <laughs> well done, and, Dave. And spot on for the detail too, David. Yeah, yeah. I reckon. Now, yeah. I could get Mark to return the favour and introduce you. Instead, I'm going to get uh, a real tricky one. I'm going to throw Mark under the bus and get him to introduce Chris. Ah, right. Yes, I'd like to uh, introduce uh, Chris Cameron. He is um, he has repurposed and repositioned himself, and um, building on his uh, successful um, uh, karate and taekwondo type uh, martial arts class, and now over the last three four months. Uh, he is, um, particularly since lockdown, he is looking at a um, being able to bring um, students together uh, and or um, smaller groups to work on um, anti-bullying strategies through this. So um, working now or reaching out to schools to see if they can run successful programs in that because it's certainly a, a huge out. Uh, need out there for young people um, and how that they get bullied in so many ways and it's not like the traditional times where it might be the old fisty cuffs around behind the bike shed far more subtle in this day of digital technologies and um, rather than just during the nine to three school hours this bullying now is pervasive and it can be 24-7 so the risks for our young people in the realm of bullying is uh, far more heightened than extreme and uh, Chris is tailoring a program to be able to get alongside these young people and work and give them the tools and, and toolbox to be able to to uh, develop their own strategies to minimize that level of harm. Jesus that was a mouthful well done though I think, I think I'm watching Chris's face where he's saying it and he's smiling so he must be approving so well done 
All right, so let's throw Chris under the bus and you can introduce Nigel. Sure. Um, okay, all right. Um, uh, this, I'd like to introduce uh, Nigel Young from Aidas Limited. Um, Nigel has a very rich and uh, varied background in producing affordable products and especially focused around the housing market. Uh, he specializes in design and prototyping of uh, aspects of your home to improve your life and improve the life of people with special uh, dis disabilities um, and the affordability of housing and building a house overall. Wow. And he's got a new company change name. Things just happen that even you wouldn't know about at the moment. But even Aidas. No, he's changed it. Oh, have you changed he's it? Changed again? it. He's changed but it. But surprise. He has a reason for it. I'm sure he will explain. <clears throat> but it's not. He can't because he's not introducing himself. You are. So there you go. <laughs> uh, right now, Nigel, would you like to introduce Helen Oaks? Helen Oaks is. I actually find a very interesting person. She has a television so background. Um, in both production and I believe in filming um, and the photographer in her is very similar to the photographer in me so there's a strong artistic creative and yet well-organized um, aspect to Helen but I particularly like her independent thinking and her creativity and her ability to express that creativity in very specific ways, such as his sports photography, for example, um, gymnastics primarily, that's a very specific area to be able to photograph in, and she does it well, and she does it so well, in fact, that they keep asking her to come back and do it again, and that's always the ultimate compliment. Um, her other interests vary from coffee to aeroplanes to baking, and actually is a very fascinating mix and brew. So I would like very much to introduce Helen, photographer, and all-round very interesting person indeed. Thank oh, you. Very good. <laughs> and Helen, you can have a go at introducing myself if you if you if, if you wish. This is Danny Dehek. No. Uh, Serial on, entrepreneur, connector, <laughs> um, blog writer, travel travel blog writer. Uh, that's enough. That's, yeah, that's Excellent. <laughs> right. That was quite tricky though, wasn't it? Uh, but it's a good thing about us, this we do understand and know what each other does do. Shows we show an interest in other people, which is um, what it's Do you get introduced Dave? Dave? Have we not introduced Dave? No. Oh, you have to introduce Dave. Dave. Yeah. Dave, ooh, ooh. David <laughs> Clarkson, Dynamic Communications. More competent, more credible. More, more, com confident. More, more confident, more credible. Oh, was it more credible, more confident? If you find yourself at a, an event and you're stumbling for words to say or you've got a speech to do and you don't know how to put the words together, then you need to David because he will help you get you more professional, more competent. More confident. Yeah, for more years, credible. more credible <laughs> communicators. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Dave, but you're not introducing you. So you just <laughs> become part of the furniture. I'll, I'll spend some time with you and ensure that you become a more confident, more competent, more credible communicator. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Well, 
Yeah, but no, if you need some pump, and Dave has helped me a lot. Last week I did this, uh, listen to myself on the podcast, and I must have been on, uh, must have been David tired because I was rambling a bit. I weren't really impressed with my uh, my skills last week, just saying. But I did do another podcast, and I was more impressed with the way I came across. So it is how we present ourselves sometimes. But when you're doing these stuff live, you don't really have an opportunity to back out of a good day or a bad day. Right, mental well-being in business was our topic today in the think tank meeting and if you haven't been to a think tank meeting before or you're listening we've got four things that we normally discuss people's experiences problems some solutions and hopefully we get some takeaways last week's meeting we only had two takeaways and one of them was mine so let's uh we've got a chat room there so if we want to have a good think tank people's experiences with mental wellness in business and I had a, a bit of a chat throughout the week at our meetings and one thing there was this guy that and it's a really sad story but he had a very successful business and all of a sudden he took his own life uh, and everyone was really surprised by it um, but this guy actually hung himself in a tree and the ironic part of it is that that tree he hung himself from was the same tree his father hung himself from and no one knew about it. And I just thought it was, his wife was surprised, I didn't know, but it all came out later on. But uh, this guy had a successful business, nice family, and uh, he, he actually had a, a, a disagreement with somebody he cared about, and he made a hasty decision and he took his own life. And I think that was quite a sad story that no one really knew about it. So after that happened, I worked in, in a shared office space. I said, there must be some key indicators around that type of person that maybe that could have spiked a bit of awareness. And if you're an accountant and you're looking at somebody's book work, sometimes you can see they might be going off to the casino or the, their personal expenditure's gone up. And the, the key indicator could be something like that. And I'm just wondering if you guys have ever thought of if we had to write down some key indicators, like maybe they've gone through a relationship breakup or maybe they've crashed their car. <laughs> and, and, uh, what's, what's that fire to it? <laughs> yeah, that's... That was the point. That's what I meant to say, actually. Well, it can be things like, um, you guys would remember Charlotte Dawson, Kiwi that went to Australia, and she got into major financial difficulty and um, committed suicide because of that very reason. And, and she, was, she was being bullied online, too. Oh, she was. That's right. And um, she actually, I think one of her problems was she, she had to keep up living this lifestyle of being like rich and famous. So she lived in a really flash apartment, still spent loads of money, but didn't have the money. And then probably got to the point where, geez, I just can't pay this back. The only is, yeah, to, to kill herself. So yeah. yeah, and yeah, that was online bullying as well. Yeah, yeah I think sometimes um, what happens is that we, we see people and they seem to have be leading good lives and um, it can just be, it almost happens suddenly and you say to yourself, you know, how come I didn't see it happening um, or that we didn't get any warning? And I think of one guy in particular, and it goes back to that earlier example, this guy ran a successful manufacturing business and he'd had a rough patch, he'd gone through 
two or three months where in his his uh, profitability had gone well in fact he'd, he'd moved into a loss situation and he obviously didn't talk to anybody but internalized it all and then it, because it did it took it wasn't coming right um and he internalized it he basically saw there was only one option and that was to take his life and he left behind a you know, young wife and young children and just a real shame so sometimes you've got to look really hard to see that people have a problem like that yeah it's almost like something like they have this great life but something just tips them over the edge where they go yeah I, you know they might have a bad day that day and and that's it what happens after people have taken their own life? What can you do about it? Well, all you can do is is um, is support the family that's left behind, and why, and those that are left behind to help make some get some solutions out of the chaos. Yeah, uh, my answer to that question is absolutely nothing. And it reminds me of, well, you can do something to the family, but to the person itself, it's so final. Because uh, I've got ahead a couple of people who have taken their own lives in my family. And I remember standing up at my sister's funeral and um, and it was just like, um, it's just, it's final. It's mm. over. It's done. Mm. You can't undo it. And uh, Michael Hempsey was really cool. And I remember him saying that um, if you feel that somebody shares something, sometimes a wee bit of a cry for help, and you've got to be quite subtle and listen to people. But he used to say to people, try it dramatically, are you thinking about take, uh, committing suicide? And that was such a direct question to ask somebody. And then if they confided and they said, well, I have had thoughts about it, then he would go back and said, I'm so pleased that you shared that with me. And mm. that opens the door for conversation. Mm. But he said, statistically speaking, when asking people such a direct and personal kind of question, it doesn't do any harm and it's never broken anyone. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if you ever feel that you're listening to somebody and they may be talking to it and you actually say something that direct, it's not going to, it's not something because we don't talk about it. No, well, it's all, it's all swept under the carpet and it's all taboo and you know, you can't bring the S word out. And another example would be Greg Boyd, the TV presenter, and everybody looked at him, he's got this perfect life, he's on TV, he had a lovely family, was on holiday and, and took his own life. And I think that was depression possibly, I'm not too sure. But everything from the outside looks perfect. And then when he did commit suicide, they actually didn't come out and say it was suicide at first. So it's all swept under the carpet again, let's be quiet about it. Let's not talk about it. I think the key thing is that um, you don't know what's going on in someone else's life. Mm. You, never, you never know what's happening behind closed doors. That's right. Doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter how well you think you might know. Um, ultimately, unless you are really, really, really close to them, you don't know what's going on in their head. Mm. <clears throat> I, mean, I certainly think there is a factor that when people are down is that it sucks the energy out of them. So it's like trying to run a race, and, and, and especially like the guy who had the debt and that was building up. The trouble is, is that that, that worry sucks the energy out of you. So you, you, you've got a double whammy. One, you've got the debt. Number two, you've got no energy to do it. And probably three, your mind is all over the place anyway. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you almost need someone to come along and just sort of run, run for you sometimes, I feel. you know. Um, I, I must admit, I, I do find... You know, I, I, it's not something I have a, a, a challenge with, but I do know that 
when things are going tough, people just say, ask these rhetorical questions. Oh, everything all right? Yeah, great. And all they want to hear is, yeah, fine, and off they go. You know, yeah, it doesn't yeah. do anyone any good at all. No. Um, yeah. I'm on top of the bridge and I'm about to jump off and they go, hey, yeah. have a nice day. Yeah. You're right, yeah, cheer up, cheer up. Oh, yeah. my goodness, doesn't yeah. that, you know. But, um, yeah, Lachlan, I reckon, yeah, and the point you make is good. And I think the thing about that is that it's, I think it's almost necessary that we find, we have somebody that we can talk to um, about how we're going in business. And that requires that we, in actual fact, can be open and honest with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, But if we aren't able to do that, our mental health can suffer. Yeah. Because we all go under pressure, come under pressure at some time. And, you know, there's that old saying, isn't there? A problem shared is a problem solved. Absolutely. Oh, I learned, yeah. sorry, yeah. Problem, uh, um, problem yeah. solved. Yeah. Um, How's that? And, and I, you know, and I think, um, you know, I think that's part of the deal. You know, that's one of the things that, especially in business, yeah. if we've got a mentor or somebody that we can talk to openly, and, we, and it means we've got to be honest ourselves yeah. and say, you know, I'm actually feeling this way, you know. I'm under pressure and I don't know what to do and I can't sleep. And literally being able to share that with somebody is a, is a huge, it's a huge thing. And I think it'll be interesting to look at the stats if they're available somewhere around um, suicide in relation to Western society or um, maybe third world countries. When you compare the community village aspect that used to be far more apparent in previous days and that there's probably i'm i don't know the stats but i'm imagining there's maybe a lower rate of suicide where there is a higher rate of community and um looking after each other and supporting each other and such a close-knit kind of the old saying it takes a village to raise a kid wherever everyone was in charge of raising the children and stuff in that village um, so there's a, probably a lot more support for people that it's probably not as prevalent as it is in Western society where we are far more siloed and guarded. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I think in Japan, the suicide rate can be fairly high with students and workers because they have these really high expectations on their shoulders and they, you know, it, it's shameful if, if they can't... Um, you know, get to where they want to be or, or get a certain qualification and they do take their own life. Um, school kids have, a lot of school kids, I think, and, and mm. workers. So, yeah, it's all about that shame, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I've come late to the conversation, but uh, there was something relatively recent, a young fella who got into day trading and uh, he was a New Zealand guy, got into day trading and he looked at his account and, and it showed him $750,000 in debt. But, that was just like looking at a balance sheet and seeing the, the, exp- the, 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 the expenses side of things as opposed to the income. And he looked at one side, oh, I'm 750000 He didn't see the other side and he committed suicide. Oh, and, and, it, and it was no reason. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that terribly sad? So, so what caused that? I mean, it was just the, the, the shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shame and, has a really big yeah. part in it, I think. Um, a lot of people... That's why people don't talk about it either, because they find it embarrassing. Everybody goes, oh, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. And you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to tell people about it. So you're mm. hiding 
And but I there's got to be absolute trust there, you know, Helen, yeah. you know. There's got to be absolute trust. And, um, you know, it, 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 businesses go up and down the time. I've seen times when business is absolutely, you know, whatever, you know. And it's really, really tough. And the fact is, especially if you run the company and you've got, like, oh, I've had the case, you know, five, six, ten employees looking at you to be their saviour, um, you know, you can't mention that at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so you've got to have someone you can absolutely trust. And if that person then went round and happened to mention one of the guys employ, oh my goodness, you know, Lachlan's cash flow is rubbish at the moment. He's not sure he's going to make payroll. Um, that would be devastating to a business because people say, oh, well, I'm out then. Then you lose your employees. Um, so, you know, luckily I've sort of managed to get through all those things, but I've, you know, I've had them in the past and it's tough, but you have to have absolute faith that, that, that of confidence in somebody that, that yeah. I, th- I think, you know, just, just having, you know, I think myself of times when in business I've been under stress mm. and what tends to happen is that you tend to, tend to focus on the thing that's giving you the grief mm. and you tend to forget everything else, Yeah, mm. you know, and that's because, you know, what's giving you grief is, is your focus. But if, you know, yeah. we talk about that, um, work-life balance, yeah. if in actual fact you're able to do something or other else to get you away out of that, um, that focus on, on the problem and get yourself doing some exercise or looking around and looking at the things that are going well yeah. to just stop that literally you going into that deep hole. I think that work-life balance is a really important. But it's but, but so easier said than done sometimes, you know, and again, you feel like you're in a race and, 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 you know, let's say the front five people get paid all the money and you're number seven or then you're number eight, then you're number 10, then you're number 12. And someone says, just stop and stop and pick some flowers for a bit. And I'm thinking, what? You crazy? Mm. You know, um, mm. how am I going to get in that top five? If I, if I don't get the top five, I'm going to lose everything, you know? Um, mm. So it's a, that's what it feels like when you're in that situation. It just feels like madness itself. Because what yeah. happens when you do, you feel re-energized. I mean, I get on my bike and that works for me. But um, Yeah, there must be a point, though, with people where you say they get into this black hole and they just can't get out. That Going back to that Greg Boyd thing, he was overseas on holiday with his family and committed suicide. You're like, wouldn't that be, you know, a time where you've got a bit of time out, you're feeling re-energized and... Um, it happened then, so there's this yeah. black hole. Yeah, your ability to make sound decisions at that point are pretty limited, really. Yeah. And and once you're so far down the slippery slope, there's often no turning back unless you've actively got a person around you who can literally rip you off the slide. There's an interesting one, um, personal experience again, guys. But when I, after my divorce, I felt quite low and, um, and I sort of felt that overwhelmed with life. And I really just honestly at the time didn't know it, but I needed to talk to somebody and that was great. So I went and got some help. But I went to the doctor and I said, I'm feeling really low. And he said, oh, look, I'll give you some Prozac. And I said, oh, no, I'm not feeling because my sister was into that stuff. And I said, no, I'm not into that. I'm just telling you how I'm feeling because I wanted somebody to talk to. And he said, um, and he said to me, what are you driving? And I said, but what? And he said, what are you driving these days? And I said, oh, I'm driving a Suzuki Swift. He said, Danny, you've always had nice cars. Get out of my office and go buy yourself a new one. So I went and bought an R8 Holden, even though I couldn't afford it at the time. And, um, and then it, put, it gave me um, 
people we used to turn up at my office and they go, oh, we're paying you too much. Or other people would say to me, it's good to see you back on your feet again. Uh, depressed, I was sad, and that was okay. And I think that's what, we're not all suicidal because we get down about our business, but I think we need to distinguish the difference between, you know, what mental health is all about. And it, it may just be, we need that to be energized to keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it, that that um, what you're saying about talking to a doctor. I think is is really important because even though you may not um, you may not may have been anti Prozac or something or other like that, oftentimes for a lot of the people who are in that sort of situation where they are depressed and what have you, right. it's very much a case of the the what do you call it the pharmaceuticals help you get through, get over the initial hump. And then, you know, over time, once you've got over that, uh, then you can literally drop them and go off them. But so, you know, I wouldn't put, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say to people, don't go to the doctor and don't take them the, the, uh, the pharmaceuticals because in actual fact, sometimes they can help. But I know for me, and this is just a different thing, when I often, when I used to work, and I was in those days, I was into sort of long distance running, and number of things in the outfit that I was working for caused me a huge amount of frustration, and I found that I could work the frustration off by by rigorous physically physical exercise, and that's the way I I tended to do it, so that in the end I broke the that broke that cycle of focus on the on the negative. Yeah, I do it by rigorously emptying the fridge. <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially the part with the beer in it, Lachlan. <laughs> Actually, I mean, that's, that's one thing you've really got to watch yeah. is, is when, when you are feeling down and stuff, is just be very careful on the old alcohol. When you look yeah. at a lot of these suicides, what happens is people feel down and then they have the alcohol and, and that just takes your inhibitions away and you do something stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's a real problem. Um, and things that people do in the cold light of day are very different to what they do when they've got eight pints in them. Yeah. So you, you're sort of saying um, avoid alcohol uh, at times of, you know, like um, alcohol comfort? <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, some people just go for the bottle. They just, just that, that, yeah, they neck it back really quickly, you know, if they're feeling a bit down, up they go. Yeah. Alcohol, drinking too much, drinking like a fish. Well, it makes them feel better temporarily, doesn't it? And then uh, they probably get into a bigger hole because then they start drinking more and more to take away that pain. Well, but also they feel rubbish in the morning. But, well, one, they do stupid things. Yeah. You know, they can ring someone up and say, oh, you asshole, you know, yeah. you, you, you know, da-da-da, you know. Yeah. Just, I ring Nigel up and say, you're, you know, when I've had oh, Lachlan, you've had a drink again, haven't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're talking to someone who reckons his jokes are better than mine, yeah, so right, yeah, <laughs> says it all, really. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, um, but, but also then you feel rubbish in the morning. Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and you know what that feeling where you've got a bit of a, you know, you had, you know, a bottle of wine or something you shouldn't have had, you wake up in the morning and you, you know, who doesn't feel a bit down after a, the next day after yeah. too much wine or something, you know? Actually, I think um, one of the big, the big things that, um, for entrepreneurs out there and, uh, looking at starting their own businesses to realize is that it is a journey. And it's going to have its ups and downs and it's going to have its frustrations and pressures. And because a lot of the time um, you have a great idea and people and, and the startup things are all supportive and they're, they're trying to 
rack you up. That's a great idea. And off you go. And we're going to support you and everything else. And then, and then you had a roadblock and it's not actually as easy as what Richard Branson indicated to you. It was, or that guru online told you it was, and it doesn't happen in 60 days like that online course that you took said it was going to. And all of a sudden you're running into brick walls and, and you're not, that's not what you, the, the experience that you were sold that of being an entrepreneur was like. And so I think it's a real need for um, explaining to business owners that there are ups and downs of businesses and this is what you can expect and expect to be frustrated and things. And that's okay. It's okay to struggle in cash flow problems because everyone who has a business has had a cash flow problem at some point. And there are options around it, it's, uh, how to solve that. It'll, everyone's had a hit a brick wall in terms of sales and hit that dry patch or had a problem with an employee. Mm. It's okay. It's mm. just part of running a business and, and you just need to find people that can help you with that. But yeah. people get locked. They don't have that picture that that stuff's okay. And they get locked in themselves trying to solve the problem of something potentially they don't understand and they can't see why it's happening and that's where they just spiral down they think then it's it's something they've done and it's not just actually being part of business yeah, yeah, yeah right. exactly right chris and, and i found that in my myself now that i'm four years into my insurance brokerage but coming out of of, of a profession that was high salary and it was regular and it was every fortnight to suddenly get into a role where um entirely commission um, based and it probably took me uh, a good 18 months to really uh, get my head around it and if it hadn't been for my wife having a regular income that was coming into the to the home I would have perhaps walked away uh, earlier and pulled the plug because what I didn't fully understand was the cyclic nature of commission sales and so now that i've got my head around the fact that in any year i could have two or three zero income months um once i once i rationalized that because there's other great months after when we got into lockdown you know back three and a half months ago as soon as i reflected back into thinking and saying this is just like my non-income months this will be fine and there is another um, point where you can come out of it I, n I never worried at all. Mm. That's good stuff, guys. I really, um, yeah. you know, having, having that backstop is fantastic. Mm. Um, but I was just going to go back to Chris. And one of the things that as he was talking about in his series of It's OK, uh, I look at, I look at um, uh, Nikki Cave, who's, who literally was right up the top of the tree. And she said, you know, I'm going to give it away. And go and, and go and do something else, okay? She's thinking about the rest of her life. And so to go on with Chris's, it's okay. It's okay sometimes to actually get out of your business, but it's not okay to take your life um, as, as a result of the business being bad. So sometimes the solution is getting out of the business. But it's also, it is also how people are wired too, David. And, and I sort of take a bit of a, a leaf out of my old man's book. He, he didn't worry about money and he made some good money in his time, but he 
bloody made some piss poor decisions to be fair as well. Mm. But he he said that's why we've got bank managers. So his philosophy was if you're going to run out of money, the person who should be worrying is not yourself but your bank manager. So that's how he sort of distanced himself from that and he just kept going on. And I guess the real concern is for those people who do, as you say, internalize it. And for those, for those of us around those sort of people, we need to recognise those ones who have got a propensity for anxiety or depression because they are in that high-risk group mm. that if there is something that um, untoward happens, um, then mm. they are likely to make poorer decisions than some of us who are lucky mm. that we are more upbeat. I yeah. think as well, being entrepreneurs, we uh, probably most of us are perfectionists, yeah. and I'm a perfectionist, yeah. and I yeah I that that goes against me a lot of the time because I just want to get everything right, and um, I I'm a bit of a I have a point person because mm. I've had people in my past say you can't do that, and I'll go oh um bloody can do that, and I'll show them. Mm. So yeah, I'm quite strong willed in that in that way but um as chris said as well when you got um like a community around you you're less likely to probably make rash decisions because you've got people you can talk to and and um talk about your problems you know if you feel feel that confident too and that definitely helps and i think having this business networking is the best thing when i work by myself at home it's a very lonely place and it's, it's lovely to, to have everybody around me now and be able to talk about these sort of things. Mm. Yeah, I think recognising we have all have ebbs and flows, though, don't we, is, is pretty important, you know. Um, you know, as I always say, in winter, you can't imagine the sunshine. Mm. But in sunshine, in, in, in the middle of summer, you can't imagine the winter, can you? Yeah, and, and the sun, that, that's a really good point. Like, you know, days when the sun comes out, you definitely feel so much better than when it's a grey mm. day. That's oh, right. Mood changes. That's right. But on a grey day, you just can't, you can't even remember what it was like having a sunny day some yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like that. And you think, hang on, it's going to come. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sometimes it's just a case of time. You can't yeah. change it. You can't move the clouds away. That mm. you just know they're going to come. Mm. How do you say uh, that word entrepreneur again? Entrepreneur. Yeah. Entrepreneur. Yeah. Ultimate perfectionist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I find. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah, good enough's too much for me. Don't let the dog out. Yeah. yeah, I know that's what Helen's saying, but I wouldn't necessarily say that applies to all entrepreneurs. They are risk takers. Would yeah. be their primary uh, thing. That's a good um good thing actually because I uh, like risk taking. People think I might be a risk taker, and I don't believe I am because I like to think everything I do is educated. And then I remember listening to that Richard Branson book. And I like the way he does it. He'll actually spend 50% of his wealth in his next business project. The, so the risk is, is calculated, even though he might be an adventurer and a risk taker. Maybe maybe that's the thing. Maybe half of us are risk takers and half of us are perfectionists or something like that. Because I'm definitely a perfectionist, but I don't think I'm a risk taker. I'm very risk averse. So maybe we have these yeah categories within entrepreneurs. Yeah. yeah, but as, as Danny says with um, Richard Branson, it's calculated risk. Yeah. So it's nothing, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So you're in that space. Yeah. It's a perception thing as well. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs have that perception of where they're, what they're 
the competitors are doing or how their business should run and all the things it needs in it to run as opposed and that because that's the perception that their competitors maybe are giving but if you actually get under the hood of what the competitors are doing they might be doing everything manually and it's an absolute fast they're not even doing their accounts they're yeah. keeping receipts in a drawer yeah, yeah. everyone has a social mask and especially businesses correct yeah. and it's trying to believe it's it's trying to as an entrepreneur not believing the mask yeah. that is up of those around of the businesses around you you're trying to compete with in your industry and creating yeah. your own what you think is best rather than thinking what other like i look at my own industry and, and there's some them players out there that on the face of it look to be doing you'd, you'd think we'd be doing amazing things with they've been around for donkeys they've got yeah. large numbers of students yeah. and everything else mm. but having been in and experienced this their systems are terrible yeah. Yeah. and nothing's automated and there's no digital technology or anything in there so if i if i if i look at them from my where i am i'm like oh wow i've got so much to catch up on but actually if i step back and look at what the technology use that i put into what i'm doing comparatively i'm steps ahead of them mm. even so though i'm cool of, steps behind them like people have a veneer in business isn't it in a way and that veneer that they put the persona they put out about their business isn't necessarily i mean we judge ourselves and what we see around us and if somebody's got a veneer or a false a false front and we're judging ourselves from i think i think everyone does danny because you know you think of a business when you're running a business um if you're going to, let's say you're going to go to a company that was going to look i don't know maintain your computers and you and they said oh you walked in the door and they said oh my goodness you know we're, we're, we just had a big loss we're <laughs> almost bust we probably won't be able to afford to fix your gear what are right. you going to do yeah you know you're not going to hang around there i think Dan, danny you put one of the thinnest veneers i know you know it's barely there you're you're very you're very open danny <laughs> but um you know that's who you are um in terms of problems danny can we just put down there sometimes you you just have no one to talk to mm. i think that's an mm. important problem yeah yeah hey watch this having if no you, if you're a sole trader the risk is even higher potentially. yeah yeah well so right. do people not talk or do we not have a uh do we not have a, a place to talk is that what i'm trying to say it's probably more not a place because people find like i said before they find it embarrassing to say oh i'm in a terrible spot i don't know what to do yeah. yeah, but it's more it's more embarrassing than that because like I've been in a case where I've had you know ten twelve employees, all right, and I had, I had a case in the UK when my client went bust on me, owing me a lot of money, and then I had ten little starlings saying, "Oh, is our pay going to come in? Is our pay going to come in? I've just got a company just gone bust on me, owing me. They they didn't pay one invoice, and the next one just just come in, and then they folded the whole show. You know, a lot of money, you know, and. Then I've got, to, I've got to gather my thoughts. I've got to think, what am I going to do? I've got to put a pros at the bank, say, bank, I need some money. I've got to be good. I've got to, and then, then well, hang on, there's no more work coming in. What do I do? Now, if I went to my local village where it was in the UK and said, oh my goodness, this is what's happened. Within two minutes, it'd be to my employees. Mm. And then they leave. Mm. And I've got no capacity to do the next job. Plus I still own the money. Um, and the whole th and then a whole dozens of people come up during the day offer you useless information because <laughs> you know that as soon as things are tough everybody else in the room is an expert in business yeah. and they've all got a mate who's a millionaire yeah. you know 
and he knows and he's really good. Oh, I'm going to make this done this. And the, and the, look, this is what you need to do is you need to pay yourself first and make sure you pay all your employees and make sure you've got lots and lots of money in the bank. Yeah. Right. That's the ideal business, isn't yeah. it? Brad, Brad, oh, you're an absolute genius. And, and that's why you're a cleaner. Who knows, yeah. um, who knows your business the best though? Yeah. yeah. And I think well, I've got tons of advice. I'm sure we all do. And yeah. you, you know, you think all the time and you're looking for solutions. So we're, we're solution providers, you know? Mm. I used to do this thing where I would be comparing myself oh. to others and it was really a bad thing. I'd go onto websites and I'd go, how come they're getting all these clients? What are they doing that I'm not doing? Mm. And I'd um, compare myself and it's like Chris said, you don't know what they're doing behind the scenes. They might look, they might put this veneer across that they look like they're doing really well, but they might not be. Mm. And yeah. I used to look at um, <clears throat> this one website and go, oh, you know, how can I compete with that? I'm never going to get to that point. But um, yeah, I think that's the problem. And so I stopped looking at other people's websites, competitors' <laughs> websites, yeah. and it's been the best thing ever because now I don't have anyone to compare to and I've just got myself to, to compare with, I guess. It's like I said before about people. You have no idea what's actually going on in someone else's business. Yeah. Like they might have a silent investor with $5 million in, yeah. in the bank account that can roll out their marketing campaign and you have no idea what's going on. Yeah, that's right. Um, sorry. I was just going to say, I, I find that, you know, groups like this Elite Six, where we've actually had members uh, over time, once I've um, been part of the wider group that we're all in and have built up that trust with people, that they've actually divulged some pretty deep um, things around their own feelings or around their own business activities. So in, in many ways, one of the, what I see is one of the prime functions of Elite Six is being able to provide that platform to be, for people to be able to speak openly about themselves and, and their businesses. And I see that as a real strength because outside of, of groups like this, for, for many business people, there's actually nothing. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, why don't um, why don't people talk? I mean, why don't people get this? Why don't people want to share? Is it just because we're so worried what people think about us? Yeah, it's back to that original shame and failure. I think yeah, it's that tall poppy thing. You know, we we don't want to. I think the tall poppy syndrome is another one of the problems. We don't want a if we're doing well, we. Like sometimes we like to keep it to ourselves so that the opposition doesn't come roaring in after us. Yeah. Um, and and I think uh, in those there's that sort of situation. But then there's the thing that, as Lachlan mentioned earlier, you know, uh, people don't like admitting publicly um, they've got it wrong, and or that they don't know the answer because we're expected to be the experts and know everything. But as I say, perfections in the realms of the gods and we're just human but we're actually we're actually told as well that you know you put up this veneer and everything's good i mean you think for example i know this is not work related so much but you go to the supermarket and people and the um cashier goes how are you today and you imagine if you went up and went oh my cat got run over and i'm having a divorce you know their, their mouth would just drop and they'd go oh uh, poor, poor cat. <laughs> yeah, but we're, we're told to put up the, even when <clears throat> you're feeling really shitty, you still say, oh, I'm good, thanks, you know? It's yeah, like, we, do. we don't talk about, we don't talk I mean, about. <laughs> hmm. yeah. 
Are we scared that some if we ask somebody how they are, they tell us and then we have to do something to fix it? Probably. Yeah, yeah we don't want to hear it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Sometimes oh, oh, we, I'm guilty of that. Sometimes I ask and I don't really want to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And we're all busy, aren't we? Make time. So I'm yeah. um, just uh, looking at time and all that. So some solutions, obviously, talking is really important. Um, find yeah. people that uh, you connect with, have a common interest, maybe. Join a group. Yep. Yeah. Well, in terms of in terms of helping, I noticed that um, you know, there's been times when um, my wife got sick quite a while, a long time ago, and you get a bit stuck, and people bring you up all the time, saying, "Oh, how are you? Let us know if we can do anything," and that's kind of useless. Yeah. And it sounds really cruel and heartless. And what was good when someone said, oh, look, hang on, we'll just cook something. Here it is. Here's, here's something, make it a bit easier. Pop in there, drop it off, go. It's, it's just takes, takes, it, takes you know, a few hours' work off your plate. Easy, you know. So I've got friends who, one friend at the moment who's getting bogged down, and uh, I've helped him with some of the sales stuff. Just get on there and get on there and get some stuff. I, I outsource some stuff to a woman, build a database from it. It took me a couple of hours and and I just took just the thing I took a little bit of weight off it and sometimes you, you wish that people would understand how they can help sort of make offerings as to what they what they really mean is let me know if I can help but something like okay there's three things I could do one is I can pick and phone up and talk to people for you you know if you want me to do that you know I'm pretty good at that and uh, number two is I can help tidy your office uh, number three there's something else I can do maybe make some suggestions because let's give people an idea of what you're happy to do yeah yep. yeah if someone just comes to you and says, um, uh, yeah, I can help you out. Uh, let me know if you need any help. You're not going to say, oh, yes, no. I need you to That's do right. that the other. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. But if you, I think if you frame it, you know, it's a bit like when you stay at someone's house and you, I don't know, you could be in Tauranga and they say, oh, what do you fancy doing today? And you don't know what, you don't want to, you don't want to say, oh, actually, do you want? I fancy doing a, a, a yacht cruise around the harbour. Um, they might think, oh, I was thinking of going to the supermarket. Yeah. You know, so you've got to frame it. Yeah. Um, so, would we be right in saying find some practical things that you could do to support someone? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you got to guess the low. Just just make some make give them a menu. Say, hey, there's three things that, that you can that I could do for you. And then they might say, Well, if we're happy to do that, here's one thing I do need. Yeah. In my garage is a mess. I think Lachlan, that's a very good point because sometimes the person on the receiving end doesn't quite know how to articulate what they need. And you're saying here's three choices. Yep. You've actually helped them hugely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit of a framework, doesn't it? Um, yes. Yeah. And, um, and, and I, I, in terms of while I've just got Mike, there's one thing I do know in terms of solutions is when people are feeling a bit down is, and it sounds trite, but I find it works really well, is just to say, um, what, what's, th what's three good things? And they go, oh, yeah, don't know. Yeah. Just, uh, just humor me, humor me. What, what are three goods? Okay, you've got your family's good. Is your family good? Yeah, actually, my family's all right. Okay, what's what else is good? Um, you went for a bike ride yesterday. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, that's good. Yeah, that's good. And then you find you when you do that, by the time you get to the third one, they actually do feel better. And it sounds just corny, but it just does seem to work. Um, I like that. Yeah, it does. It does. It oh, just yeah. does work. And you ask find people, just ask yeah. people who are down what is good. Like yeah. Helen always says, she believes she's drunk a few years trying to always believe life's half full rather than half empty. Yeah. So it's easy to get overwhelmed with the negative, but then if you've got yeah. to focus on the good stuff, so then bringing that to the forefront yeah. and saying what is good about what is going on. What, what was you good can't about argue with, you know, you know, if it was Helen, Helen, you just got a new car, haven't you, Helen? Yeah. What's it like? Oh, it's yeah. nice. Okay. Yeah. You know, and, you know, she obviously, you know, 
being next to Danny must be a little bit upsetting some day. So I'd go around and I'd say, Helen, you know, you've got a nice camera system. What about that? What about that? And, you know, and off you go. And, and look, Helen's smiling already. Look at that. Love any of that too. Yeah, I practice gratitude now, and I yeah. think it makes me so much happier than when I'm yeah. in my negative mode. Yeah. Yeah, it seems corny. I always just stick it in the same box as dream catches, but yeah, my goodness, yeah. it does seem to work. Well, we have, we've done a bit of exercise this week. It's been good for us because we have literally, uh, after lockdown, it's been hard to get ourselves. I don't feel like I've been doing physical exercise all my life, and I'm actually quite enjoying being a lazy fart at the moment. Yeah. But we got a, a bike and we went for a walk, and Helen went up the Path. Path. Yeah. And uh, and just doing some physical exercise has actually been really good, it's, even though we have, I could justify quite quickly I need to sit in front of the computer. Well, <laughs> and we work. do that all the time. <laughs> we we don't like to do exercise in a way because we're like, oh, I've got to get this done, I've got to get that done. If I just get that done, and now I've gone, no, we're, we're going to exercise, and I feel so good after I've exercised. And I'm mm. trying to put some into That's my day every day. It's interesting. We like we tell the students a lot of the times about when you're setting goals, and same thing applies. It's you got to celebrate every little success that you have, mm. because if you celebrate every little success, it quickly builds up to be a mountain of success that you never realised was going on. Yeah, yeah. Because it's very easy to gloss over, yeah. gloss over all the little things that happen, and that's just what happens. But really, it still is your business. It's yeah. still something your business has been successful at. And whether someone else has been successful in it or not is irrelevant. It's a success, no matter how small it is. And you've got to celebrate that. And if you celebrate those little successes, yeah. they just build and build and build. And all of a sudden, if you can stand back at some point and go, holy crap, look at all the success we've actually had. That's yeah. right. And calling them out, though. Just celebrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, celebrate. In case you haven't figured out, I'm using um, voice recognition to get the words on the screen, but uh, it works. Um, I think uh, actually it's really quite good because I often, uh, I've just got some new software I've shown a few people at the beginning uh, called Millinote. And the idea behind that is uh, it's, I like whiteboards because I can often, uh, even though I write a whole lot of list of things I've got to do, I really enjoy going back two or three weeks later and realizing I actually am moving forward. So I think by able to engage are not engaged, but are just to gauge where you are and where you're going, you know, and feel like you are actually moving forward. I think that's that's helped me a lot. Um, we've got uh, next week's topic. I actually don't feel we even scratched the surface of wellness and well-being, to be honest. Uh, I'm just wondering if we come up with next week's topic. Uh, topics, topic. What's a topic? Topic. 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 What would you guys think would be a natural progression of this one? Could we change tactics a wee bit this one? Celebrate hmm. success, big or small. Um, actually, what are some of the successes that you guys have had lately? Just thinking, like if you were to say, I mean, I've what I've really enjoyed is actually being at home, working from home at the moment, and actually for Helen and I being at home in the same environment, we're actually quite a close unit, closer than I probably realised before we went down to lockdown. So that's something I'm finding really quite good at the moment. And we're a team, which uh, is quite exciting. And also, like you say, you know, it's good to be able to talk about stuff. We both need to vent and we talk to each other. And that is a real blessing to be able to have somebody that you can discuss, <coughs> you know. What about if we took this down an angle of 
um, you know, we sort of don't talk about it, or we, we did actually, we want to be able to talk to others about how we're feeling more openly. Is there a, a, a something around that? How do we? Well, I mean, I'm just thinking down here, I mean, having two of these in, in, in succession, maybe we sandwich that later on down the line. Yeah. It's, it's sort of kind of similar. I mean, I mean, things like focus and distraction is one thing I don't know, I find struggle with. Mm. Funny enough, we've got a new service on Elite Six called Focus. Focus. <laughs> and uh, it is actually, and it's focusing on your business and what makes money or mm. um, whether it's feasible and really focusing on the important things at the moment. Mm. Focus. Um, you know the challenges people got. Mark's thinking, I can tell, while his mouth's moving. <laughs> I think he's reading the newspaper, actually. I'm just stopping the dribbling. Oh, that's what it is, yeah. <laughs> that the yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I want to ask Mark a question. So you've just burnt your car out, as you do. Um, how, um, what are you feeling about that? I mean, I'm not talking about uh, wellness, but like, what's your plan of attack? Because there's a strategy around every terrible disaster that happens. So what, what's your, how are you, prior, is it prior, Prioritize. Oh, well, after getting over the, the um, well, I was involved, you know, the firefighting thing was sort of like a, a, a legacy going back to my 14 years of volunteer fireman. So that was all in the old boy rah-rah space. But all, all the while, I was just absolutely pissed off that I was, I was losing my bloody car in front of me uh, in slow motion over 15 minutes. So, yeah, I've got, mm. got that sorted. Um, dealing with damn insurance companies and writing forms and reports and things, having assessors. The thing has gone away now, waiting for the money to come through, looking through the trade me type things for a replacement. Mm. So that's how I handle... What happened, Mark? What actually happened? Yeah, the barbecue in his car. Oh, no, he, um, he's a bit of a boy racer, Mark. He burnt his car up. He's doing a burnout in the tyre quarter. <laughs> yeah, no, my car, car burnt out while I was doing uh, using jumper leads onto another... A vehicle at home, another one of mine, and um, oh, leaving the car idling, done it many times. Obviously, one of the jumper leads dropped off, shorted out, and then just fire through the engine compartment in spite of putting water on it, just and then right through the total car, just burned out. So, it'd be true to say there's a whole strategy around what happened, and not, uh, not related, kind of like, um, but you know, when people go through um, the, the five stages of grief. And it's like anger, frustration. I've got what they all are, but it's a natural progression. And somebody would be really angry on the phone. You go, oh, they're going through the anger part at the moment. Um, so now you've come up with the practical solutions. You've got to the newspaper. You're looking for a, a replacement car. You need the money. And it's just a natural progress. But you didn't sit there and just put your hands between your, no. your, head, between your heads and, and yeah, close yeah. down. And I think that's what we do in business. We find practical solutions to overcome these obstacles. So is there something around that in the discussion, if we were to change tech for a wee bit? Mm. What's strategy? In some ways, it's around how do we position ourselves in times of crisis? And, and as we went into lockdown, for many people, they sort of saw that as an economic crisis that was looming in on them. And they were smashed. So, we couldn't have recovered them. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I lost 60 members. Uh, to to this crisis in my elite six, six oh, and I yeah. could tell you an excuse or a message well not an excuse but an experience from each of them and how they dealt with it and they're all completely different there's no pattern okay. and it's oh, I, that's healthy, but... eh? 
Yeah. Oh, that's a good weekend exercise for us. We'll put a mute on that one. I'm not sure that's part of the conversation. Um, but it's also your mindset of how you've looked at lockdown. Like we actually looked at lockdown as, as a blessing and it really was. It gave us a bit of time to recharge. I remember in the first week I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And I got to play with my youngest son and we did Lego and all things like that. And then week two, I had mega sales come in and then it was just all on. So it's the way that you look at things too. Ours was a positive experience in lockdown. Some people, I can totally understand if you've lost your job and your money, you can't pay your rent. That's completely different. But ours had a positive spin, which was good. So maybe the the topic would be looking at what's happening in Victoria and our esteemed Prime Minister's announcement the other day is, would a topic be what can you do to prepare your business for the next lockdown? Yeah, that's actually Preparation? Yeah. Are we talking preparation? Preparing? Um, being prepared? But even not necessarily lockdown, but, you know, that sort of, yeah. you know, yeah. thinking yeah. beyond yeah. lockdown, yeah. financial crises and stuff like that. I think that's a very good point, actually. Good topic, Chris. Yeah. You guarantee, guarantee half those businesses that are in Victoria didn't, didn't think it would ever happen again. Yeah. I reckon, um, I believe that this, uh, I, well, I'm, I'm a bit, I don't know, sadness is not the right word. I looked up the no, dictionary right definition of that word <laughs> and I've got to stop saying I'm a sadist because it's got sexual connotations yeah. and everything. But um, I think people, um, I, I always I pro probably perform better in a, um, what am I trying to say? I perform better in, a, in bad under situations pressure. under pressure. Yeah, a crisis management is that it? Well, it forces yeah, your so focus I, really. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a good broad topic, and and maybe as as Chris saying, it might have some links in terms of potential future lockdowns or or whatever. But actually, is sufficiently open to because other people might see it. There's a different crisis looming. Yeah, like a backup the, plan. We call it Plan B. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, give you an example yeah. after the earthquake. Have you, yeah, crisis management. Have you got a plan B? Plan B, yeah. yeah. But also, we yeah. could just come along with our, what our plan, what our plan Bs are. I'd have to think of one in the week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, remember after the earthquakes, we all rushed out and we got our earthquake um, packs and put it in our garage and our water bottles. And and every twelve months, we're going to update. How's that going, guys? No. Found some really old cans of baked beans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. We haven't looked at ours in ages. Yeah, but we got one. I remember um, these wind-up torches. Oh yeah. That, um, my mate, he bought. Um, he bought. Uh, oh, he worked for the IRD and he stood in the lobby and he, he sold these wind-up torches for like forty dollars each. And he, I think he sold eighteen thousand dollars worth of them. And then another guy saw what he was doing and he went out and bought. I think one hundred twenty thousand of these wind-up torches. And then couldn't sell them <laughs> because it was. Uh, but it was just uh, everyone was preparing their their toolkit to have a wind up torch. All right, guys. Hey, really appreciate your time and your support today, and thank you for coming along. I will finish the uh, podcast off. If you're wondering who you're listening to, I'm Danny DeHeck. I'm the facilitator of the meeting today, and you can listen to other podcasts at elite6.co.nz. So thanks very much for tuning in, and have a great day. Bye.